Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna ask you a question. Um, for those of you that may still be struggling with heavy substance use, do you create a little trauma, maybe in your mind, to justify use? And we're gonna explain what we mean by that. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions: Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. We have the Freedom Model, which is a completely different approach to addiction. We offer a real solution. You can work one-on-one with a Freedom Model private instructor here at our beautiful St. Jude Retreat or through Freedom Model private instruction. You can also also see Mark and I uh, teach you the course through more than 65 video lessons through Freedom Model online program. You can get all this information at thefreedommodel.org. All right, so yeah, we were we were talking today. We have a, a full house here at the retreat, and this always gives us really great topics for the podcast. And uh, and one of the things we're going to talk about is um, well, life is kind of and how you look at it. And it's pretty easy to justify heavy substance use in this world that we live in. <laughs> yeah, it, it, here's the thing about well, l- let me. Let me tell you about an experience I had today with one of my students. I was, uh, I was on a private instruction uh, Zoom lesson that we do um, in Freedom Model Private Instruction, and uh, this fella uh, has has been very successful financially in his life. And and when he was here at our retreat at the St. Jude Retreat, and uh, he one of his goals was to become a um, CEO uh, of a large company, which he has since accomplished. And one of the things that happened was in the process of this uh, gaining the, the, the job, uh, he realized that it's a lot more work than he had anticipated. It's 14-hour days. It's, uh, now they're going to sell this company. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out to his advantage in a big financial uh, windfall for him and his family. It's going to be a wonderful situation. He's earned it. He's spent three decades of his life building a career, um, but also building a significant drinking problem in the process that he's since stopped. But he wanted to have this lesson with me because he, he was a little bit disillusioned because all of a sudden he realized that he wasn't sure that he wanted to be this uh, CEO and that maybe his goals were the wrong goals. And I said, well, I said, let's say his name was Dan. I said, Dan, listen, um, whether or not you want this job in this career path uh, really doesn't matter right now because you got to finish the job and make the sale and then get the windfall. And he was like, yeah, but it's stressing me out. It's freaking me out. And I, and I said, well, it really comes down to I'm going to give you an alternative path. Let's mm-hmm. say that right now uh, that company went under and you were relegated to a job working 7-Eleven for minimum wage, uh, would all that stress go away? And he said, no, I'd, I'd be genuinely freaked out. I'd hate my job. I said, would you hate it more than what you got? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, well then, relatively speaking, you're still on a higher rung on the ladder, first of all. And just because it has a tremendous amount of responsibility associated with it doesn't mean that if you didn't have a tremendous amount of responsibility, your life would be better. Actually, you just explained to me that it would be, it would be worse. And so the very thing that you're looking at causing you stress, actually, if you had less of it, you'd have more stress. So my point is, it's all in how you look at it. 
Now, some people will abandon uh, a, a career like yours because they say it's too much for them. They go, they, they literally drop off the grid. They go work at some uh, more menial task, and they're happy. I watched one of my sisters do that. She ran a company for years and years and years and years, was stressed out, and then she kind of uh, – a situation happened, and, and she stopped working, and when we wanted her to come back, she said, no, I'm happy. <laughs> but the point is she was happy because of the way she looked at her circumstances. And I, so, so the point of this whole discussion is you, it really comes down to life is unfair most of the time. <laughs> and, and you're going to have to deal with it whether you have a good situation at a time, a bad situation. Each situation has risks. Each situation has uh, stresses. And the question is, are you going to make them worse so that you have an excuse to get shit-faced? Right. It, it, so I'm going to challenge what he said. Life is unfair depending on how you look at things. That's a great point. It's, it, the truth of the matter is, in some cases, it's infinitely fair. Yeah. You, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. you, you kind of get out of life what you put into it. Um, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you invest a whole lot in something and it doesn't work out. And that's just the way it works. So if you know that you're, if you know that life in general is, is going to have these peaks and valleys, because it does, because that's the way life is. If you know that, then, then depending on your perspective, there are people that, that grew up in absolute poverty who have happy lives. Right. Um, yeah. That, let me jump on that for a second because I did a, a part in our 12th edition of the book back, I don't oh, know, wow. 10 years ago that had the happiness rates where yes. they interviewed countries. I and I, if I remember right, three of the top six uh, countries that ranked the highest, and were I can't poorest? remember what Yeah, were one of some of the poorest countries in the, in the world. Uh, they were African countries. And um, they live in civil war. They live in abject poverty. Uh, whether they can have water or medicine is in question constantly, and yet their happiness rates were exceedingly high and, and surpassed the United States and many of the European, more civilized countries, right? So happiness it really must be in how you see your circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and what's important to you in life. You know, there's, there's, you know it's not a coincidence that, that we call some of these things first world problems. Because because when you live in an affluent country, as we do, even our poorest people um, to get medicine and food and, and education cell and Nike sneakers. Exactly. Yeah. So so we live in this affluent country and it's it's as if we have to find reasons to be unhappy. You almost have to work at it. So so let me I mean, look, at we all experience loss. And I've said this before on our podcast, none of us are going to get out of this alive. So traumatic loss happens to people every day. Um, and, and it's sad, but it's a normal part of living. Death is a normal part of living, um, that being able to deal with it. Um, but, but short of things like that, there are a whole lot of things in our life that we allow ourselves to create drama around, or we create it in our own minds that's unnecessary. That's, uh, that's the point of this podcast. That's exactly it. So how do you, I want you to go through and inventory your thoughts for the day. How many of them do you create 
and amplify specifically so that you have an excuse to go back in time and be fucked up like a teenager. Yes. Right? And I'll tell you, I deal with, I've taught, I don't know, 10,000 people, more than 10,000 people throughout my life um, in the last 32 years that, that the majority of them do this to themselves. Yes. I did it to myself. You know, I was fatalistic in my thinking. Me too. Yeah, all or nothing. Yep. Right? If you create all or nothing scenarios in an incredibly gray world of variables, my God, are you going to be unhappy? And look, at you, I'm not saying that people sit and they fabricate things consciously in their mind to 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 ruminate over and feel sorry for themselves over. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about building habits of amplifying of amplifying what are truly normal life's peaks and valleys, right? You know, sometimes life is going to be amazing. I mean. And sometimes it's just going to be awful, but most of the time it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And and in, in the middle, in that majority, is where we craft within our minds how to think about things and build habits, so that when the shitstorm hits, the habits in place, and we yeah. don't we don't project negativity into an already terrible situation or difficult situation. Right. Right. So it's not, what I do with a lot of my students within the first few classes with them is I ask them about what do they talk about in their own mind? What are they thinking about? How do they frame the struggles they've had to go through, the challenges they've been through? How do they see themselves personally? And and so I'm not, we're not doing this podcast to have people start beating up on themselves even more like, oh, that is me. I'm so negative. No, <laughs> no don't, don't use this podcast as an excuse to ruminate on that you're somehow, you know, not capable or not worthy or broken in some way. You're human. And, and perhaps this is the podcast where you'll realize yeah, I, you know, when life gets boring, and a lot of days life is pretty boring, which I personally love. Um, you know, how do I learn to deal with that boring and not create, not ruminate on things that haven't happened yet, which is that's where anxiety comes from. Um, not ruminate on something that happened in the past, you know, that, that you know, the fallout you had with your brother, or um, not, I mean, I have all of these things I can ruminate on. And, and, you know, whenever I start feeling like that, I always ask myself, uh, what bad is happening right this minute? Yeah, one of the one of the uh, let's look at something really fundamental that you could be telling yourself that is highly, highly inaccurate, and highly destructive. And that is, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Right. If you're telling yourself that you're an addict or an alcoholic, and that's uh, Michelle talked about, what does she when she has her first classes? I say, so, so, uh, Tom, do you think you're an alcoholic? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. I said, uh, repeat that. He says, I'm an alcoholic. And I say, we got to make it so you never say that again, ever. Not in your, not even quietly to yourself in your own mind. That's right. You're not an addict. And he goes, well, yeah, I am. I, I say, no, you've learned to see yourself that way. Right. That's a learned thing. There is no objective thing called an alcoholic. It doesn't exist. And now if you want more information on that, you have to read our book and, and look at some of the other podcasts, listen to some of the other podcasts. Um, 
but but we have these self images that we carry around with us and some of us don't like to look at the fact that we can be fatalistic i used to be king of self-pity <laughs> it's exhausting by the way it, it really it, is when you finally get over that habit and you realize just how futile it is um and you ha- and then you genuinely have a shitty situation that's staring you in the face and then you you start down that path and then you go wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute i don't have to delve into the misery i really i, I don't have two days to waste <laughs> you know right i don't right. I, I don't even drink so i can't go on a bender so i'm not going to go on a bender so what am i going to do i'm going to start fixing shit yeah. I'm just going to start fixing things. Get busy fixing. And then in two days, the problem's gone. I've successfully built some confidence yep. and uh, because I've overcome something. And I move on. A confident guy. Doesn't that sound better than all or nothing, fatalistic, creating misery so that you can be shit-faced and dealing with situations the same way a teenager does? Yeah. I mean, because... Unfortunately, that's really what drinking, heavy drinking and drugging is about, is the delusion that alcohol and drugs are somehow a solution in the adult world, and they're not. They can't be. And you know, if you go to rehab or even 12-step meetings or, or any kind of counseling or treatment of any kind for addiction, they reinforce all of this bullshit, okay? They reinforce that you're broken, that you're not resilient, that you, that, that you get overwhelmed easily, um, that, that yeah, stress and trauma are going to be triggers for you. That you're in danger of addiction if you have stress, trauma, you know, and any anything, depression. Yeah. So you internalize all of this. So, so the, in any given day, I mean, I, I can remember somebody has people have called me and talked to me because they have a room that's cluttered, and it stresses them out, and it makes them want to drink a room in their house that's cluttered. And every time they think about going to clean out that room. It, it's too stressful for them. And so what rehab or, or a treatment provider would tell them is, is well, you should probably avoid that until you are more feel more comfortable to do it. What, what I say is, well, if the room looks cluttered and you're going to put it off by drinking, what you're doing is reinforcing this idea that you just can't handle things. Yeah, that you're somehow fragile, weak, that it's a matter of weakness. Yes. And that's it, a lie. It is a lie. But, but what people will do, and I'm, I'm using the cluttered room, which to this woman was a very big thing to her because it bothered her husband. Okay. So for this, this cluttered room, which to most people would seem very, very small, to her is this very big thing. And, and as she would put it off and drink more than she wanted to drink because that also stressed her husband out. She's reinforcing this negative self-talk loop that I'm weak, I'm powerless, I'm clearly an alcoholic who can't control herself, and I'm lazy, and I'm in all of these things. So, so what is it in your mind, if you're going into a binge, and we do this in the binge construct too, what is going through your mind? What is fueling this? What self-created drama, drama, and it's self-created because it's always self-created in your own mind, is fueling your binge? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I go over all of that with, with my students every single day. And in some fashion or another, they start to realize that their thoughts are what's driving this whole thing. It has nothing to do with the pharmacology of the drug. This is important. 
the pharmacology of the drug, whether your neurons are slowed down or sped up, right, in the case of cocaine or methamphetamine, for example, that's inconsequential because your mind, your concepts of thought, your habits that you've built in your mind, outside the brain tissue, in the mind, that's where all of this is framed. So you're in complete and total, utter control of, of the narrative you're telling yourself. Right. And so if you're creating drama, at, you know, and it might not be out of thin air. It might no, be there an- might be really, really difficult things going on in your yeah, life. Yeah, but, but the question becomes, do, am I willing to amplify them and make them worse and then use that as the excuse you need to go get blitzed? Yeah. You know, and that's exactly what that is. It's an excuse. It's not reality. You don't need to get high. You're not susceptible to a drug or a substance or drinking. That's 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 disease talk and there is no disease present here. Yeah. Yeah, you you may feel as if and believe as if you need it. You and most of that is well all of that is habit. It's a habitual way of thinking about something and and when you stand back and objectively look at it. We we talked to people about becoming self-aware um when you when you start to drink again and you're you know, become self-aware. Am I still, am I, is that negative self-talk still going on in my, my head? It is. In my mind, it absolutely is. Almost everybody says, yeah, within one or two drinks, um, I'm beating myself up again. Yeah. You know, so it, so it's not helping. Objectively speaking, when you really look at it for what it is, um, it's not helping you. If anything, it doubles down on your feelings, your negative feelings and your negative beliefs about yourself um, and your negative beliefs about, you know, the substance becoming this all powerful thing when it's really not at all. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, even though it's covered in just about every podcast we do, it bears repeating here. And that is that the drug itself pharmacologically cannot go into your mind and make a difference in the in the concepts that you have in the in the in the way you see a situation. It's not going to change that. The only thing that can change that is you, is your thoughts, the self-created reality that you create in your mind. So that's 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 the thing that's in control here. So this belief that somehow a drug is going to help is a weird concept because a drug doesn't have a mind. It doesn't have problem-solving capability. So don't don't go down the path where you think, oh, if I drink or drug, it's going to get better. Or temporarily, it, it provides me relief. No, temporarily, it might give you a distraction from yourself right. because you've decided to focus on something else, but you could do that without a drug, certainly. And you have. Yeah. If you look at your life, you have. I mean, none of us were born drinking and drugging, okay? We went through childhood largely without medication. Um, And even people that were medicated for one thing or another as children, um, you probably had plenty of experiences, you know, growing up. And even in your adult life, if you're not a daily user, which most people aren't, um, where you've, you've, you know, relaxed, you've been able to relax, you've been able to get through difficult days without substances. Yeah. So look at those situations and see how they turned out. Really do an inventory of those things and say, well, I did get through that, that, and that. I remember when I was first getting my act together 
and I had this fatalistic sort of immature mm-hmm. way of looking at the world and, and I would create drama in my mind and really freak out and get all anxious and nuts. I was just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I would, I would start rambling off all this bad shit that was happening in my life and I would create like a file cabinet of crap that I would repeat to myself. And then finally, Jerry said to me, and that's Michelle's dad, he was the original researcher of this whole project. This is way back in the 80s. And I was just a kid at the time. And he would say, Mark, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you just rattled off 14 things that are bad, but uh, some of that shit isn't true. And he would label the mm. things that weren't true. And then he would say, didn't you fix this, this A, B, C, D, and E? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, that's good. Isn't that good? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And basically, he would stop my role. And and then he'd go, just can you please, please, just stop being ridiculous, you know? And now I'm not telling you to be stop being ridiculous. Jerry was just rough with me because <laughs> because that's a language I understood from my background. Um, but it 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 would stop my role the the snowball effect of bullshit that I was telling myself so that I could just be a miserable little sot you know it was time for me to grow up and sometimes we need to grow up older sometimes I I deal with people sometimes I still have to grow up sometimes I get into this little poor me festival and then I got to go wait a minute dude stop it you know this is old hat man now the whole drinking solution for me is long since passed right just because of for me it is I'm done with it I understand the facts of it and I moved on but for a lot of people it's not it's they've been taught that it's some sort of self-medication do you self-medicate like like somehow a drug can actually fix something we'll talk about a bunch of bullshit I mean that it can actually go in your mind and make you feel better a drug can't do that because it doesn't know what you're thinking right it can't change your mind it can't go into your mind and change it um, you know, for the longest time, I, I looked at my life because the drinking problem has done, been done for me for over 30 years now as well. And, and for the longest time, though, I looked at all of the life's problems as an adult. And I thought maybe I dealt with them wrong because I had this background of addiction, right? I had this, like, there was this some way that, that, people that were once classified as addicts and alcoholics we just we just don't deal with things properly and and i you know because a lot of aa taught us that too and so but as i lived my life and i spent the better part of my career here uh, not just working with substance users but working with families working with people who never had a substance use problem and it was there that i began to recognize everybody has shit to deal with that that there are a whole lot of people who've never had a substance use problem who create drama who uh who have difficult things and challenges to deal with it was there that i began to realize that everybody has problems and that that life for everyone um has these highs and lows and and the trick is to to get through the that to really ride out the highs in life because they're so great and and to kind of muddle through the lows doing minimal damage around you that's that's it if you can do no more harm that's rule number one and the second thing is uh think positively it sounds goofy it does you know my son did a podcast on a, on a hunting show he had 
he had had some success and he was doing a and he was a podcast and he was talking about me his dad and he said you know he's one of the most driven guys and then he goes and he always thinks positive mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem doing that when I'm in the outdoors doing something I enjoy, even when it's raining cold and I'm not seeing game and I'm not being the hunter I want to be. I, I'm always positive. I really am. I'm always. He is. And, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I can do that at work. I can do that at home when my wife's had a hard day. Maybe I need to rubber feet or be a good husband when I don't want to be. Right. You know, and I can decide. And even when I'm tired. You know, because if I were hunting, I'm tired all the time walking up and down mountains and it doesn't dissuade me. Right. So if I take those principles somewhere else and and just make that happen, I'll probably be in a better place than if I ruminate and create drama. I mean, Jesus, as if life doesn't have enough of its own drama. <laughs> right. It's like the whole universe. It comes. You don't, you don't have to look very hard. <laughs> yeah, the whole universe is gamed against you, dude. <laughs> so so uh, you're already dealing with enough. You don't need to create more of it. And you certainly don't need an excuse to get fucked up. Listen, if you want to get hammered, go do that. You know, But enjoy it. it. Yeah, enjoy Don't beat it. yourself up. And, and also be honest about it. One of the things that helped me stop was when I was doing it, I was honest about right. why I did it. And people love to party with me because they're like, dude, you really make no excuses, do you? And I'm like, I'm here to get hammered and that's the way it is, you know? And then when I stopped it, I stopped because I didn't want to get hammered anymore. You know, it was it was just that simple for me. I was, I was done, I was ready. And, uh, but it was the honesty, the self-honesty of saying, this is why I get drunk and this is also why I'm going to stop that allowed me to stop because I wasn't bullshitting myself. I wasn't white knuckling it. There was none of that. It was time to stop. I wanted to have a better life and I was willing to, to pay that price. So so anyway, I, I think it's really important to not dig a deeper hole. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. It's so that I had a little bit different experience the last the last few months of my drinking. I was in a deep self pity cycle and um and I went from like my progression was I would drink every night and then every night turned into earlier in the day and earlier in the day and until I was drinking all day long and 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 every night was in was just just a just a wallowing a wallow fest of self-pity and feeling like um I wanted to die I ruminated on death and dying and um and then one day I was really sick. I was physically ill and decided I couldn't bear to drink because my stomach hurt so bad. And I didn't drink that day. And I fell ill for three or four days. I stayed in bed and, and, and I was done. And I thought to myself, well, that didn't work. Um, but I went to AA. Now, I think I probably would have done a lot better, a lot quicker had I not gone to AA. But I went to AA and then started the ruminating on self-pity without being able to go to the alcohol. And that was a whole new challenge for me. It was something I'd never done before. Um, and it was only when when I talked to this really nice woman who helped me. And, and she basically was like, you get to focus on whatever you want in your own mind. You can believe whatever you want about yourself. You can believe whatever you want about life in general. And, and you know, a lot of young people ruminate on the negative aspects of life in the world that we live in. 
But but the happy people don't do that. That's right. That's not what happens. So you get to choose. You get to choose. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's easy for you to say. And I've had a lot of people say that to me now. They're like, no, no, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. And people are always amazed. They say to me, you're such a positive, happy person all the time. And it's like, well, that's by choice. That's by choice. That is not something that happened to me naturally. And I don't think it does to most happy people. That's for sure. I think it's a deliberate choice to view the positives in life. Look at life is hard. You can you can choose to make it harder or you can choose to make it more pleasant. That's completely up to you. That's it. So I think um I think you know just to wrap it up um look at if you are still struggling with a heavy drinking or drug problem and you're really not sure where to go, you can call us at 888-424-2626. And um, we have a great online program. Mark and I spent the better part of last year um, getting it together. It has there are 65 video lessons where we go through the book chapter by chapter. There's also uh, lessons for the binge construct, which is not in the book. There's lessons for life movements, which is not in the book, which is about moving past addiction and getting on with your life totally free. Um, there is uh, there's the, the mind and brain where we, he really talks about how uh, drugs can't go into your mind. They can't change your mind for you. Um, and he draws a nice little picture on the on his yeah. wifey board. Yeah, my little grease board. <laughs> uh, we also have the uh, St. Jude Retreat if you need to get away and you need to learn the freedom model from uh, an instructor one-on-one. Uh, everything that we do is one-on-one and is very private and we've been doing that for 32 years here at the retreat as well yes and so you can go to thefreedommodel.org i do apologize we have been having some trouble with that site recently it was hacked um they've it's been taken it, they've successfully taken it down a couple times but we are working to get it restored and um but if you you know you can also find these podcast just about any place else that podcasts can be found um and we'll get that that site up as soon as possible um and don't forget to check us out on social media you can follow us on facebook where we have the freedom model group which is a totally private group you can join um we also have uh we're on instagram and linkedin and um, what are these other ones? I don't know. I, I don't have my list today. <laughs> all, all that stuff. All the social media. We're everywhere. Twitter. I think we're on Twitter. And there's also our, our, our Facebook page, The Freedom Model. Yes. And so the, the Freedom Model group is the group, the private group. And then The Freedom Model is the page. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we hope you all have a great holiday season. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. All right. Thanks so much. Number, that number one last time, 888-424-2626. All right. Take care, everybody.